other Japanese and uh, and Chinese directors who were dealing with samurais and various kinds of larger-than-life swordsmen, and I thought that would be an interesting, uh, you know, concept to transpose into American uh, pop culture and American history. It, it occurred to me that a a samurai was somewhat like a gangster, and that the shogun was somewhat like the godfather. And so that was the thought of taking this character, Michael O'Sullivan, and having him be sort of the shogun's, the American shogun's samurai, and have him be betrayed by his shogun. How did the movie adaptation get made of your graphic novel? Well, the graphic novel was published in 1998, and I, I must say to you know no particular fanfare, the, uh, the the graphic novel as a form is something of a niche. In fact, comics themselves are you know not as mainstream as I would like them to be in this country, um, and so really a fairly small audience, probably about 5,000 people, read that that novel when it came out. So to me, it was just sort of um, another of many projects I was involved in, and I kind of, you know, went, went about my business with, uh, with various things I was working on, independent films and novels and so on. But my, uh, my agent saw some real possibilities in this graphic novel, and he sent it out to uh, a Hollywood agent, and this agent looked at the material and, again, really responded well to it. And he sent it to a guy named Dean Zanuck. Now, of course, that's a very famous last name. And uh, Dean, uh, the son of Richard Zanuck, who's the son of Daryl Zanuck, legendary Hollywood moguls, uh, Dean Zanuck responded very positively to this material. And he sent it to his dad, Richard, who happened to be, I think, in Morocco on some other picture. And he called his dad and said, this is being FedEx to you. His father said, as a lot of people have lately, what's a graphic novel? And Dean said, well, don't worry about it. Just take a look at it. And Richard Zanuck read it, responded very favorably to it. He FedExed it back to Hollywood to Steven Spielberg. And Spielberg loved it, apparently said, great, I don't even have to storyboard it. And then um, Steven Spielberg sent it to Tom Hanks. Hanks responded very well to it. Anyway, all of this happened in about five days, which is pretty remarkable in, in terms of, uh, of of Hollywood. So this fairly obscure graphic novel suddenly uh, in a matter of uh, less than a week climbs to the top of the Hollywood uh, food chain. Me meanwhile, I'm back in Iowa just sort of uh, tending the crops, so to speak. Well, I'm sure that the uh, release of the Film Road to Perdition has caused you to think a lot about the differences between novels, graphic novels, and movies. So let's talk a little bit about the way you tell the story in the graphic novel Road to Perdition. You know, in some ways, it's it's very stripped down because there's just a few lines of dialogue per page with several illustrations uh, per page. Um, but it's still a very rich story. Do you have a different style of storytelling in a graphic novel than you do in an actual novel? I've always viewed myself as a storyteller, and I, I think one of the problems that um, a lot of novelists have in terms of trying to take their work into to film let's say, is that they, they don't have a grasp of the difference between these mediums. Uh, probably the fact that I have worked in comics as many years as I have, which is sort of a medium, if you think about it, that is perched in between 
comics and, you know, sort of straight prose novels. Um, that may give me a little bit uh, better uh, avenue into into either of these these forms, because in in terms of comics, you obviously are dealing with visuals. And if you would were to look at one of my scripts for the uh, for any comic book or for a graphic novel like Road to Perdition, you would see that 80% of what I write. Uh, really is directions to the artist, telling the artist what to draw. And, you know, a very small percentage of what I write will be the actual copy, the actual dialogue or, or captions or narr narration. Um, so I have to think visually. I have to think in terms, I have to actually, at least in a preliminary sense, design the page. And that gets me thinking in pictures and telling the story in pictures. And this has been very helpful to me as I've moved into to writing screenplays and doing independent films. Because uh, there's very basic differences here. If you, you take the film and the novel, for example, a film really is the exterior of a story. I mean, you're sitting as a viewer watching the story play out. But when you read a novel, uh, you're inside the story. It's the interior of the story. And you tend to experience novels through usually through one character at a time, inside that character's perceptions. And, you know, so if you, as a storyteller, if you really don't understand the, you know, the, these differences in, in, uh, in point of view, uh, you're, you're, you're going to go down the wrong road. Max Allen Collins is my guest. He's a mystery writer, and uh, he did the graphic novel Road to Perdition, on which the new movie is based. The uh, filmmakers made several plot changes and character changes in the adaptation from your graphic novel. How did you feel about the differences in story in the in the movie versus in your book? Uh, the screenwriter David Self, I think, did a, a terrific job. I, again, perhaps because I'm in a in a modest way a filmmaker myself, having done three independent films and written quite a few screenplays, I I don't have that. Uh, protective sort of uh, tunnel vision view of, of my own work when it comes to adapting it. I know that you have to look at, at a source work and reorganize it and rethink it and sometimes even reinvent it. Um, I think one of the smartest things that, that Self did was take all of these hitmen that I had pursuing the father and son and every now and then they would have a kind of a, um, a confrontation, a shootout or whatever. Uh, they rolled all of these hitmen characters up into this one character played by Jude Law, the reporter, who's basically the only character in the movie that I didn't create. Um, but I might have created him. He's very much uh, the kind of character that uh, appears in my stories. I felt very comfortable with that. I felt extremely comfortable with the decision to emphasize the father and son relationship between uh, Paul Newman's character and Tom Hanks's character. That was in the graphic novel. It was sort of understood and implied that there was a, a father and son relationship and that Looney preferred O'Sullivan to his own sort of incompetent son. But they did it in such a dramatic and cinematic fashion that, if anything, they improved on me. And I'm always willing to be improved upon.
Now, the truly bizarre thing about your possession is that you wrote the graphic novel Road to Perdition. The movie Road to Perdition was adapted from your graphic novel. Then you wrote the novelization of the movie. <laughs> so you I have know. two different versions of Road to Perdition. You've got the original version, and then you've got the novel ver version that's based on the movie adaptation of your original work. Um, how did you end up writing the novelization, and how peculiar did that feel? It was very peculiar. I think uh, you may know that I'm uh, one of the things I've done over the last 10 or 15 years, actually since I lost the Dick Tracy strip, was uh, take on a lot of novelizations for um, Hollywood studios. I've arguably am the top or one of the top uh, movie novel guys. And it's a very peculiar kind of uh, job you take because what happens is you have something like, say, Saving Private Ryan, where they know it's going to be a, a big picture, it's going to be an important movie, but it's an original screenplay, so they'd like to have a novel. Uh, so I am commissioned by someone like DreamWorks to develop a novel out of the screenplay, not out of the movie, because the movie usually hasn't been shot yet or is being shot while I'm writing the novel. So it's a little tricky. I'm, I, I will take the screenplay and develop, develop the novel from that. And I've, I've, you know, had a lot of luck with that. I've done like the, the Mummy and the Mummy Returns and In the Line of Fire and uh, Air Force One. Uh, in fact, a um, book I did recently called Wind Talkers, ironically from a John Woo movie, mm -hmm. has done uh, ex extremely well. So I knew because the original story of Road to Perdition was a graphic novel that there probably would be a novelization done. So I thought if someone's going to do it, uh, why shouldn't I do it? I mean, I better do it. So um, I also felt, and, and I was wrong about this. I have to tell you, I was flat out wrong. But I also felt that when the original graphic novel was reprinted, it would remain a kind of a niche uh, book. I really didn't think that mainstream readers would be able to cross that line in, in, into comics and read a sort of serious adult story in comics form. And for that reason, I felt there ought to be a straight novel, a prose novel version out there. And if there was going to be one, obviously I wanted to do it myself. Now, where I was wrong is, right now, the graphic novel is outselling the novelization, even though I wrote it. Uh, we got onto the extended New York Times bestseller list with the graphic novel. It may be the first graphic novel ever to get on the New York Times list. I'm not sure, but it's a rarity nonetheless. Um, I, you know, uh, I'm wondering if when you write novelizations of movies like Saving Private Ryan and Air Force One in the Line of Fire, if you ever take slightly confusing or ambiguous plot lines and just kind of like straighten them out in the novel. You know how sometimes you leave a movie and you say, I don't understand. And that scene, like, what really happened? Why did somebody really do something? You know, that's a lot of what I do in writing novelizations. Part of it is to, to create background and backstory for characters but a lot of what I do is fix them. <laughs> so I, I plug the plot holes, and I get that a lot from my readers who say, well, now I understand the movie, and they don't realize that I just sort of came in after the fact with my, you know, my spackle and mortar and fixed it up. <laughs> um, it, don't take this the wrong way, but who would want to read a novelization after seeing the movie? Because the movie is the original work. It's the kind of definitive story, and the novelization is just kind of based on the movie. 
Well, there's there's two answers to that. The glib one is uh, a confused audience that doesn't understand that the book didn't actually come first. So I'm you know my, I I depend on the ignorance of the readers, which is an awful thing. But there's a certain amount of that. People just don't understand the process, and they assume the book came first. Uh, the better answer, I think, the the answer that makes it valid for me to be doing this, is that the difference between the mediums gives you an I uh, and it gives you an opportunity to see that story in a different way. As I said earlier, the movie's the exterior version of the story, and a novel is the interior version. So I can give you what the characters are thinking. I can tell you who they are and where they grew up and what they're thinking. You know, I I can give it to you in the way only a novelist can. But but do you ever feel funny because it's not your original story? You're rewriting somebody else's story. You're you're reinventing their characters. We accept that in a movie more than we accept that in a novel. Well, the funny thing about that is that because I haven't seen the movie and I'm working from a screenplay, um, a strange proprietary thing happens to me. It makes me think I did write it. So that when I actually go to see the movie, say six months later, I think I'm seeing a movie based on a book I wrote. <laughs> I can't, I know I'm not, and it's it's stupid, uh, but it, that's the sensation I have. Also, a couple of times I've had movies where they've actually taken stuff from my novelizations and put them into the movies because when the novelization went to be approved by the director or whatever. They may have seen how I fixed something, or they may notice some dialogue that's better than what they have. And in, in at least one instance, they actually reshot a scene and based it on uh, a scene I wrote in the novelization. Max Allen Collins is my guest. He wrote the graphic novel Road to Perdition, on which the movie is based. He's also a detective novelist who's written many detective novels. One of your ser- series is about the detective Nate Heller, and this is a kind of historical detective. Most of the stories are set in... Um, the 30s and 40s, or is it 20s and 30s? Uh, it's mostly the 30s and 40s. Mm-hmm. The new one, uh, Chicago Confidential, is the is set in 1950 and is the first one that will take us, I hope, into the 50s and and later the 60s. And this series combines real life and fictional characters. So Al Capone, Bugsy Siegel are in at the St. Valentine's Day Massacre, Amelia Earhart, the Lindbergh kidnapping. Why combine historical and fictional elements in this series? Well, what happened was um, I had wanted to write a private eye series since I was a kid. I, I loved Dashiell Hammett and Raymond Chandler and Mickey Spillane, and yet I didn't think that private eye worked very well in contemporary times. I, I thought he worked best, you know, in a fedora and a trench coat, and in that period where he was created by those writers. And it occurred to me one day that uh, the private eye had been around long enough to exist in an historical context so that uh, I sort of realized that Sam Spade and Al Capone were contemporaries so I could actually put a Sam Spade kind of character into a story with not an Al Capone